Thanks for tuning in to the Man On Podcast, where we will be releasing regular episodes discussing men's mental health. We're very proud to have Piper's Superstore on board as our podcast partner, number one in Inverclyde for carpets, laminate, beds and furniture. You'll find them on Facebook at Piper's Superstore or in the town at West Stewart Street, Greenock. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. As we said last time, this is going to be our final podcast episode of this season. And we're hoping that it's going to be something that ties in with a lot of people's thoughts in regards to mental health and suicide prevention. We will put a disclaimer out at the start of this. There is going to be subjects that you know people might find distressing. And there's going to be people talking about their own experiences with mental health and also with suicide. So... We just want people to be aware of that before we obviously, you know, play the, the rest of the podcast. In uh, this interview now, we are delighted to be joined by Mike Armager, who is a specialist uh, in education in regards to mental health and suicide prevention. So very honoured to have him on. Uh, how's things, Mike? How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Chris. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. As I say, being a busy day and as I said really appreciate you doing this because I know you're a very busy busy guy um, so for the people who are, are listening to the podcast uh, who aren't sure who, who you are is there any chance you can give us a, a sort of intro to yourself and your job if that's okay. well to start with I'm, I'm Welsh so I'm a little bit concerned about how um, how difficult this might be uh, be to hear at some point um, for our, our non-Celtic friends. Um, but no, I work within um, mental health services, um, specifically in the area of suicide prevention, and also work as an advisor to um, various different organisations, specifically around um, mental health and young people, um, and then also work within education in, in elements of trauma. So my, my background is quite unusual um, in that I flitted around lots of different areas, and I sort of still continue to um, to float between sort of mental health services and, and education but you know trauma and, and, and um, suicide prevention which you know we'll talk about in, this, in a second is, is kind of a lot of the work crosses over much of the time um, so I'm very fortunate I have a wonderful job I get to speak to a lot of wonderful people that I probably if I'm being honest if I was in a sort of a nine-to-five job in one particular area I probably wouldn't get the opportunity to speak to um, so I am an, an immensely fortunate person um, who counts their blessings every single day um, and kind of has to pinch myself every now and again that I actually get to do um, such a wonderful job. But my, my, my parents fostered growing up, which is kind of where a, a lot of my understanding and a lot of my work stems from. Um, so it's not necessarily fair to say that I always had this absolute plan. Um, you know, I was very much motivated by sport first. So um, rugby, obviously, because I'm Welsh, you know, we didn't play anything else. Um, and, and so, you know, that, that was really my area of focus in, in, in school, really, and, and, and working in PE. So I've arrived here. Um, I'm glad to be here. I'm, I'm delighted to speak to you today. Brilliant. That's great. And hopefully the language barrier isn't too difficult. I'll, my, my accent can be a bit sort of strong, so I'll try and dim it down a bit. Um, we were speaking to, it's actually the podcast I've been listened to by an organisation in Canada, Living Works, I'm sure you've maybe heard of them. They do so. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. So they've been in touch with me a couple of times and they've been listening to the, the podcast. So if she can understand me, I think we should be okay. We should be okay. <laughs> uh, 
Aye, we, we hope so. So yeah, obviously I'd ask you along because we are finishing our season of, of podcasts with this episode today. And we're going to do, if you're still okay with it, later on in the year doing a sort of fuller um, podcast on this subject. But I just wanted to get you along to, to sort of have a chat around suicide and the links to, to trauma because as you know Mike as I'd explained to you we are trying to prevent suicides locally by engaging with males effectively and getting them to talk and, and open up and as we move through the you know the coronavirus measures and stuff we're hoping to meet people in person and, and do everything there so it's just it's a big podcast for us and I felt it was really important that we got somebody on who you know is, is a specialist you know in the area and can and shed some of the light on it so appreciate you you coming along for that um and first and foremost just in terms of the the suicide link to trauma we've been focusing on that and having conversations with that with people and i just wanted to sort of get your views on on the link between the two and just see if you can sort of give us some information around that sure well i think i think one of the things that i'd i'd say that i encounter a lot in in both work within services and outside of it is the fact that a lot of people think that to experience suicidal thought, um, you have to be ill. And, and actually, the, the majority of people I meet definitely don't have an acute need. In terms of that acute need lying in the form of them being the problem and the fact that they're ill or disordered, actually, much of the time, um, it's a symptom of distress. And, and, their, and their circumstances that have played out in their life, whether it be one, whether it be multiple, um, has really impacted their ability to cope. So I think that myth needs debunking, you know, sort of first off. A lot of people think, oh gosh, you've got to be really, really ill to, to experience those things. When in actual fact, yeah, I say to people all the time, you know, all of us are only ever probably one or two circumstances away from being completely overwhelmed. It, it doesn't take a lot to, um, to, to push people into that place of despair. And I think that's what makes it so scary for a lot of people. And, and I think that's what actually makes it more difficult for, for people to engage sometimes is that they realise that it can escalate quite quickly and it can be very unpredictable and the onset and all of those things can be hard. So I think that the links to trauma are, are heavy because I often talk about the penny drop moment. So for instance, a lot of people think that you, know, you have an adverse experience um, and that adverse experience means that you're traumatised and then you start off the day after your adverse experience in your traumatic experience. But, but that's, that's not the case because the majority of people might go six months, six years, 10, 20 years be, before the penny drops about what's happened to them. Uh, and, so, and so the links to trauma, um, it doesn't necessarily, when we talk about people experiencing you know, traumatic events, it doesn't necessarily mean in the context of, of recent events. Sometimes it can actually be, you know, historic events that are a long time ago. So I, th I think those are just important to point out firstly. And the other thing I'd say sort of briefly is that when we talk about trauma, um, we're also not talking about one traumatic event. That the majority of people that I see are people who have, um, I, I always talk about one particular case, mainly because they, they do some training with me now, so it's not a case that, that lies within the bounds of confidentiality. But I always talk about somebody that, um, he, he tells the story much better than I do, but he'd lost both of his parents in the space for a couple of weeks, um, had lost his partner, and then had, had to move 100 miles up the road, um, where he then started a job, lost his job, and was about to be evicted from his flat. Like, 
that that's that that's that one of those things will be hard enough you know but all of those things together at a period of time can push people into a place of overwhelm so my point is is that it's very rarely one event and it's very rarely one element of trauma it's often multiple elements that have impacted people throughout their life on top of multiple different reactions and feelings um, and then lay on top then the circumstances that they currently find themselves in so one of the most effective projects that I've seen is actually a project that works on suicide prevention which works on people and um, supporting people to get out of debt because that, that itself is a massive factor in contributing factor to so many people's distress levels so um, it is very multifaceted um, I've never met anybody whose um, thoughts or feelings manifest in exactly the same way I've never met anybody who has had exactly the same experience with trauma and in fact I've worked with many people um, I remember working with twins who experienced exactly the same thing at exactly the same time who could recall it in exactly the same way um, and who had completely different reactions you know, one actually could cope quite well and was able to engage in relationships, not to say that they, they wouldn't find it difficult at a later point. Um, and the other one was, you know, was really struggling. So uh, I think it just goes to prove that when we talk about trauma in general terms, um, it, it really doesn't help because it's so nuanced and so individual. Um, but yeah, it, it tends to go hand in hand with a lot of people's distress for sure. Yeah, no, some really, really good points in there. The twins is very, very interesting, as you say, experience the same thing, same time, but obviously have different ways of managing it. And we're just trying to get that link because for some people who are experiencing what they're going through, they might actually not realise that it is linking back to previous stuff. And so we're just trying to open some doors for people in their heads and turn on a few light bulbs and start getting people to think about, you know, what they've maybe experienced in the past could be why they're, you know, feeling the way they are, not necessarily all the time. Um, but what you said as well about the debt and the financial stuff, that's massive uh, for ourselves. And, and Inverclyde, the area that we are from, um, you've probably never been to Inverclyde, but um, the area that we are from is high levels of deprivation. And, you know, we are at the, the wrong end of the, the league tables for pretty much everything. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, high deprivation here. So that's obviously contributes to, to people's mental health as well. Uh, but thank you for, for covering that. And that obviously, as I say, we're going to have a, an in-depth conversation at, at the next time we do. But one of the things that we always ask people, and obviously yourself, it would be great to, to get your views on it. But what would be you know, your advice for guys who are maybe listening to our podcast? It's the final one, as I say, so hopefully quite a lot of people are going to be listening. What would your advice be if they are struggling at the minute, if you know, something they've maybe heard from yourself uh, is linking in and turning one of those light bulbs on? What, what would you say to one of those guys if they approached you? The very first thing I normally say to people um, when I meet them in, in whatever um, circumstance I meet them in is... Um, identify what you need right now to just cope with the next couple of moments. That's the very first thing. Sometimes that might be switch, switch your program on, which you've seen a hundred times before, but you know is predictable, it's easy to watch. I always use the example of Gavin and Stacey. I think I've seen that probably about a million times in my life. Um, but at times where I find things difficult, that's that's my go-to. Um, and people I meet tell me that all the time. They say, actually, you know, I don't want anything that requires a lot of thinking. I want something that's more part of a routine. So, so that, that makes sense. So identify what, what would be useful for you to do right now. The other thing that, that I, I talk a lot about is, is safety plans. Um, and we launched a website um, with the NHS um, called www.stayinsafe.net. So 
if you're in the UK and you Google on the NHS website, you know, a mental health crisis, it will talk about calling the local crisis team 999. And then also we will mention stayingsafe.net. So it's on there already in systems. Uh, and, what, and what that website is targeted to doing is providing um, a safety plan for people that they can do themselves with support maybe it might be that they've got a trusted person that actually can help them it might even be a professional that can help them do that as well but the important thing is is that it's co-produced so it's your ideas it's not me saying right well it would be really good for you to go for a walk if you've never walked before when you find things difficult it's utterly pointless you trying to do that so, so it has to be co-produced and, and the safety plan works as trying to make sure that there is something in place and some strategies for you to follow in those times where that distress comes back because we all know that when you talk about it it doesn't mean that it vanishes and it's never going to come again actually the reality is is that sometimes it comes again quite quickly so it's important that we plan and prepare for that and that there are things that we can do to mitigate all of those different areas so a safety plan is basically like the mental health equivalent to putting a seatbelt on is what my friend alice says which is just i think a great analogy so um, it, it's planning for those moments where things could potentially go could go wrong and, and where you might need help and it's trying to make it as easy as possible for you to follow something which is um, accessible to you which speaks to you um, and also there's maybe I put in safety plans all the time because we talk about you know reaching out reaching out well sometimes it'd be really hard to write that text message or it could be really hard to pick up the phone because you don't you don't know what to say or you can't articulate what's going on. So I often do sort of pre-written messages for people um, or we sort of agree, you know, the people that they name in their safety plan, if it's their partner, if it's their friend, um, housemate, whatever it is. And, um, you know, actually there's an emoji that they might use or they might use a certain word, which means that actually if they don't have to articulate what's difficult for them. They can send that word and that person will know what it means. So, you know, there's, there's various ways that we, we can do that. Um, so the safety plan is, is absolutely paramount. And, you know, when we have our next discussion, I'll go into it in you know, a bit more detail for people. But if, if you want to have a look at it, if you go on to www.stayinsafe.net, um, you will see my face on there. Please don't be alarmed. Um, that, might, that might cause you further distress. Um, so, but, but on there, there are videos that speak directly to people who are experiencing distress, but also tell you how to make a safety plan. It takes you through it in a really productive um, and interactive way. So I definitely encourage people to, to look there and just familiarize themselves with it. It doesn't need to be you do it right now. Um, but I tend to ask people to sort of think about it when, they, when they're doing okay, rather than having to do it in the moments where they're feeling terrible. Um, because it's, it's just not always productive to be able to do that. Brilliant. Amazing advice. I love it. And even for ourselves, we are obviously doing peer support stuff. So mm -hmm. for ourselves and, and helping people, um, awesome. So I'm really kind of, I hope people kind of listen to that. We'll signpost people. One of our jobs is signposting people onto things. So we are having our Zoom club. So we call it a Zoom club, but it's a meeting tonight and it's, you know, usually about 10, 15 men. Um, coming together for two hours to talk about a week and stuff so we talk about resources so I've just mastered the share screen um, element of Zoom. <laughs> yes yeah. Um, I'll be looking at that and sharing that tonight so I really appreciate that it's really good advice and we've got guys at the minute who are really really struggling uh, they're really really worried about you know believe it or not they felt safe during the lockdown time but now they're worried about coming out of it and the temptations that's involved so yeah we'll, we'll be having an interesting discussion tonight but i'll certainly be adding that stuff in so thank you very much for for sharing that with us and 
as I'd said, we're going to have a bigger in-depth discussion in the next season of podcasts, and we'll look at things um, a lot more in a lot more detail. So, but thanks very much for your your time. Um, and as I say, coming okay. the last minute was was excellent. <laughs> no problem at all. My absolute pleasure. Take care, and um, if anybody's listening to this, take care as well. Look after yourselves, and um, yeah, take a look at our website to get a chance. Brilliant. Thank you very much, mate. Thank you. Thanks again for Mike to obviously giving his time to ourselves and recording the podcast. It's massively appreciated. The next segment of this podcast today will be featuring around a sound bites from some of your guys who have received some support or supported other people during the lockdown period. We're very happy that they've taken time out to share some of that with yourselves. We'll start off though with a, a quote from a well-known celebrity, Tyson Fury, heavyweight champion of the world, discussing his battles with mental health and his suicide attempt. And the reason that we're doing that is just to shed light on how wide-ranging it can be within society and the fact that it can impact the people that you can maybe sometimes idolise and look up to. We then finish our, our segment off with this from words from Brian McLaughlin, who is the chief executive of Morton in the community. And Brian, as he explains, uh, runs a support network called Team Talk, which is a fantastic support for men for their mental health in Inverclyde. We're working very closely with them and we're making sure that we're ticking the same boxes together and trying to support as many men as possible. So yeah, listening to the the next parts of this, which as I say, features our guys bravely speaking out. I was waking up and I didn't want to be alive. I was making everybody's life a misery. Everybody who was close to me was pushing away. Nobody could talk to me, talk any sense into me at all. And I'd go very, very, very low at times, very low. And I'd start thinking all these crazy thoughts and this, that, and the other. And I was in my car. I bought a, I bought a brand new Ferrari convertible um, in the summer of 2016. And I was in it, and I was on the highway. And there's a strip of the highway where I am. And at the bottom of about a five-mile strip, there's a massive bridge that crosses the motorway. And I knew that. And I got the car up to 190 miles an hour. I was heading towards that bridge. And I didn't care what no one was thinking. I didn't care about hurting my family, me, my career, people who friends, anybody. I didn't care. I didn't care about nothing. I just wanted to die so bad. I give up on life. And just as I was heading towards that bridge at 190 in this Ferrari, it had crushed like a Coke can, by the way, if it had hit it. I heard a voice say, no, don't do this, Tyson. Think about your kids. Think about your family and your little boys and girls growing up with no father. And everyone saying your dad was a weak man. He left you. He took the easy way out because he couldn't do anything about it. And I, before I turned into the bridge, I, I pulled on the motorway and I was shaking. I could feel myself shaking and I pulled over and I was all nervous and I didn't know what to do. And I was frightened and I was so afraid. And I thought that day, I'll never, ever, ever try or think about taking my own life ever again. Suicidal thoughts. Have I had them? Aye. Did I ever expect to have them? No. Always thought I had my feelings in check and 
it wasn't something that would ever come into consideration. But, for anywhere, you get these feelings. Life's good. You're married, kids, job, money to do whatever you, maybe not whatever you want, but to have a decent life. But those worries there, anxieties, don't know why. Just worried you're going to lose everything. You start detaching yourself from everybody. Can I speak to people? Can I speak to your family? You just withdraw. Love life in a bubble. And then suddenly, would it be better if I was dead? It would be easier for me. And I took a long realisation that maybe I would be short term for me, but it wouldn't help anybody else. What's helped me to stop up? Talking to people, letting people know exactly how I felt. Hi everyone. It's a message for Man On, men's mental health, mental health in general. From someone who has suffered with my own mental health, firstly, I want to thank my family, my friends, and you all know who you are, Chris and the guys at Man On, and especially my two, my two gorgeous daughters. Uh, they've all been a great support to me, uh, to get me to where I am now. I want to say to everyone who is suffering, please open up and talk. Talk to your family, talk to your friends, talk to a professional, talk to a stranger um, and talk to groups like Man On. There's always someone that's willing to listen. Uh, so please don't, don't suffer in silence, don't suffer alone because there is always someone willing um, to listen and trust me that is true um, a wee kind of quote um, when one door of happiness closes another opens but often we look so long at the closed door that we do not see the one that has been opened for us on that note I just want to say Stay positive, keep moving forward, and let's talk. Thank you. Alright guys, so I'm just here to talk about my Man On journey. I only joined Man On maybe a month ago maximum, so my journey and my experiences are relatively fresh compared to everybody else. But... As a whole, you can't fault the group. That's a good group of guys. And it actually really, really helps to speak to like-minded people and people going through the same issues as yourself. Um, addictions is probably one of the reasons that I joined cocaine and alcohol. I'm not saying it's perfect, but it's a lot easier when you can open up and speak to people in the group. And if you're ever struggling, there's always someone, no matter what time it is, if it's first thing in the morning, last thing at night, or the silly hours, there's always somebody awake to have a chat with you. Can't fault the work the volunteer team do either. They've actually secured a space in that for us 
for us to have catch ups and meetings and stuff. So it's really positive, and I'd advise anyone who is struggling or wants a wee bit of extra help just to join Man On. Thanks. What have Man On done for me? Well, first of all, the welcome that you get is amazing. Everybody's so welcoming. It's just, it's a great bunch of guys trying to do a great thing. It helps to talk because you soon realise that there's more people there going through what you've went through and what you might still be going through to understand that you're not alone. Other people have gone through it. Other people can help, help you understand how they dealt with it and how they're still dealing with it. Helping guys just get over that stigma, talking about their emotions and not bottling everything up and not putting on a brave face and saying, do you know what, I don't feel so good and I'm going to tell somebody and I'm going to share it and I'm going to share it and I'm going to help other people and other pe people will help me and it's just a fantastic organisation and I can't thank them enough for what they've done for me in the past two months just help me break down barriers that were there over anxiety and talking to people and hopefully I can keep talking and we can get more people talking as well I started um, getting involved with the Man On group during lockdown I've seen Chris had shared it a couple of times on Facebook etc and I've seen it more people sharing it and it's just getting bigger and bigger um, and during lockdown, one of the main things for me was just I was sick of the, the same old routine, getting up, doing the same thing, speaking to the same people. And I knew, obviously, I wasn't the only person that felt that way. So I think Chris reached out to me um, and asked if I wanted to join the WhatsApp group. And it's probably one of the best things I've done, to be totally honest with you. Because I took away that feeling of groundhog day where you were getting to know some new people, you were getting different conversations um, it was really good for me um, and as time progressed I started to get involved a wee bit more and a wee bit more and I've started to volunteer at the moment as well, I've been doing and getting the, the unit ready down there in Burn Street, um, going on the walks and stuff so it's really, it's really changed what I thought would be lockdown life for me, I thought it was just going to be the same, I was just going to be doing the same things until, until we came out with this basically but that really gave me a purpose, something to do, something to focus on uh, so I'm really looking forward to when things do get back to normal and get out and about a wee bit and help man on grow because um, it's gaining a lot of attention now so hopefully that gets bigger and bigger and it can help more and more people and that is the number one focus really is to help people that are struggling um, if we can save one person for hurting herself or committing suicide then That'll be a success as far as I'm aware. Brian McLaughlin, Chief Executive at Morton in the community. Team Talk is a project based at Caplow Park. This project for males aged 16 plus offers a safe space for men to come along, have a chat, feel listened to, get things off their chest and ultimately create peer support networks within Inverclyde. Suicide prevention groups are vitally important. It's important because asking for help should not be shown as a sign of weakness. This reaching out to people can really get things off your chest and ultimately help save lives within Amber Clyde.
We need to reduce the stigma around mental health and the signs of weakness. Too many people each year lose their lives to suicide and losing loved ones. Suicide prevention groups are a vital part of our community and ones we should be sharing on a weekly and daily basis. Suicide prevention groups also help reduce that stigma and show it's okay not to be okay. So to end this season's podcast, we have got a special feature lined up and we're hoping that this is something that can resonate with people. Uh, the main subject of Man on Inverclyde is suicide prevention. And we were sent a message by a lady called Sarah Frame who got in touch with us to basically advise us of a song um, that, that she had been involved in the production of. And we had a listen to the song and we were very moved by it. So we felt it was really important to to try and get her in to, to share a bit about her story. And we'll also be hearing from uh, the singer um, of that song, Liam, um, and this feature. So as I said, this is what we're hoping to, to end the podcast with. Um, it is a sensitive subject. We are aware of that. So if you're triggered by anything that, that any of the guys have, have discussed here, please get in touch with herself or any of the information that we put up at the end of this. So, yeah, I'll just crack on and introduce uh, Sarah, first of all. Um, Sarah, thank you for uh, coming along, obviously, and, and getting in touch with us. Um, can you uh, just share with the, the listeners uh, a bit about your story and how it relates to Man on Inverclyde? Yeah, thanks, Chris. Yeah, I was really interested when I saw a newspaper report about the worthwhile work that you're doing in Inverclyde. And it really resonated with me because, you know, I want to do anything I can to help prevent suicides. I lost my younger son, Gordon, a year ago. And the pain of losing my son is indescribable. Gordon was a sergeant in the Royal Scots Dragoon Guards. He was 35. He was married with a young family. And everybody that knew him, liked him, loved him, respected him, was always joking, always described his life and soul and, and really helped people. He, he was a lovely, lovely young man. But he did struggle with depression and he'd been struggling with depression probably for about a year before he sought help for it. And I think it's a bit like cancer. If you don't seek help early enough for some people, it's, it's just too late. So Gordon, died a year ago and our, as a family our, we are just devastated. The, the hole, the massive hole that Gordon leaves in our life um, has really affected us. We, we won't be the same again. And I can't bring Gordon back but I really do want to try and help save other people from doing the same thing and taking their life and from other families and particularly from my point of view other mums going through this terrible pain and I would plead with anybody who is struggling to cope with life to try and find somebody whether it's through Man On or other agencies find somebody that you can speak to and tell them what's really going on inside you don't hide behind what you think people want to hear. 
because there will always be another way out. So please try and find that way out. Every time I hear of somebody else taking their own life, I just break my heart. And that was what prompted me to write the words for Just Reach Out. And Liam has taken those words and used them to create a really amazing and powerful song. So I'll let Liam tell you a bit more about how that came about. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Thank you very much for, for sharing that. And thanks for so passionate, obviously, you know, for yourself and for me just listening to it for the first time. Um, it's a bit overwhelming, obviously, listening to it. And I really take my hat off to you for doing things like this because it can help so many people. So thank you. Sarah for that um, and yeah as she said she's going to pass you over to, to Liam but I just wanted to say a wee thanks to you specifically for that Sarah thank you so yeah over to yourself um, Liam uh, to, yeah. to talk to us a wee bit about the song so I was playing I was busking um, I do quite a bit of busking uh, throughout the year and I was playing it was January um, I was feeling pretty down I was I'm somebody that, that gets quite down as well, downbeat. I'm just about, it's obviously such a difficult um, job to and thing to pursue. And a lot of the time you feel like you're, you're getting nowhere. And, and it was just a particularly kind of bad day for me. I just really didn't want to go out. I, I couldn't be bothered. Um, just people walking past you as if you're not there, all that sort of stuff. And something inside me had told me, um, it's, it's almost like, when if you're singing or you're playing or whatever and people come up to you and they'll, they'll take their time out their day to talk to you you always meet new people and I, I know it's something that when, when I'm there I always feel better about doing um, so I forced myself out it was freezing cold um, and I was playing playing away um, I'd been playing for an hour or so before Sarah had um, had come walking up the street and I had noticed that a lady, Sarah, obviously across across the, the street, and I was singing. I think it was it was Lock Lomond at the time, um, and she had I'd noticed her across the street, and she was she was quite visibly upset. Um, something inside me just said I have to I have to reach out and I have to to first of all make sure she's okay. But I could tell that there was a lot of emotion and and to do with that song and just just I could I could tell that she was she was breaking a heart crying and um, I had to say something so I, I called over and um, and we just got into a conversation and she told me that she had lost her son Gordon um, that six months previously and she, she had just come out of grief counselling um, and I said to her I, I, there's something I, said, I, I was saying to Sarah a, a couple of days ago actually I lost two friends um, as a kid to, to suicide they took their own lives and like Sarah said, you, you'll you'll never be the same again. And I could just I could see it in her face. I remember the look on their mum's faces, and it, it it was just like a visible grief. Um, and it's just got a, it's got a look about it I can't explain. Um, and I knew, and I, and I brought it up. I was aware that I was a total stranger, and I didn't want to be probing too much or pressing or anything like that. But she told me that that was um, the case. That's what happened, and. Um, we spoke for a, a little bit and then we parted ways and, and it became kind, kind of a regular sort of occurrence that I would see Sarah after our, our counselling sessions and I'd, I'd play a song or two um, for her. Um, 
we spoke it a little bit and she read out some poems that she had been writing, um, kind of a way to, to cope with the grief and and just get like feelings down on paper. And like as a songwriter myself, I sat and write at three o'clock in the morning, it's when all my ideas come to, to me and it was it was very similar, similar thing. Um, and it, it moved me almost to tears. I had a big lump in my throat when I heard the, 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 the raw emotion from the words. Um, which doesn't happen a lot. Like it, it, it just really connected with me, and I just felt like I really wanted to put down a melody and um, some, bring bring the words to, to life through music. Um, I couldn't have made the song without those words. It was just it just flew, it, it flowed. Um, it, it was the easiest song probably that I've that I've, I've performed on um, for a long time, but it was just beautiful words. The emotion was palpable throughout it. And, um, and yeah, yeah. Brilliant. It's some story, you know, just a sort of mm. chance um, meeting and stuff like that. So that's amazing. Um, and I just want to say thanks, obviously, to, to both of you for, for giving your time and giving us the sort of permission to, to play the song. And for me, it's a really important way to end our podcast season. We've done 10 episodes. We've spoke about suicide, mental health, uh, a range of subjects. We've had loads of people coming in, but this is, you know, real life, impactful stuff. And I'm really excited to, to play the song. So... We'll just move on to do the song and, and I'll play that. And as I said, if there's, there's anybody that this is bringing up, you know, raw emotions or anything, please get in touch with us. Um, and I would be really happy to get something that in the, the sort of next season of podcast that we're doing and revisit things with you and get you some feedback for it. So thank you for, for both of you for reaching out. And as I said, we'll, we'll end the podcast now in the, the season just playing the song. So thanks, guys. Thank you, so, Thank you much. so much. Thank you. Thanks, guys.
Yeah.